You are listening to the Ridgewood Church Podcast on a sermon series that will take us through the Gospel of John, entitled, Learning Jesus. It seems that following Jesus is easy when we're in a room full of believers or we're with our Christian friends, tend to make all kinds of pronouncements and commitments and then when we get thrown out there into the world, it's a whole nother ball game. It can be really difficult. And as the world changes around me, I find myself kind of re-promising to follow Jesus in so many different areas because of how culture is changing and what were no, moral no-brainers just five years ago are now kind of up for grabs. And so I need in my own life to weigh carefully the promises that I make, the commitments that I make, the decisions that I make. Peter was an amazing disciple, but he made a bold promise that he couldn't fulfill. And the reason he couldn't fulfill it is that circumstances changed from the time that he made the promise to the time he fulfilled it. And he didn't take that into account. And listen, if you, if you try to go out there and, and if you want to be a Christian hero and if you want to try to change the world on your own, you're going to get spit out because you are not equipped to do that on your own. But you can have an amazing influence on the city you live in, on your friends, on your family, for the gospel when you are willing to submit to the power of Jesus in your life. So this morning we're going to learn, and I want you to take with you, that good intentions aren't enough. Desire to do it isn't enough. You can only do it by the power of Christ. And so that's where we're going to fixate ourselves this morning. So take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to the book of John, beginning in verse 13. Or chapter 13, verse 36. John 13, 36. If you want to grab that Bible that's in the seat pocket in front of you, you can turn to page 900. That's where you'll find this passage. You can also use the Ridgewood app. Just go ahead and, and open the app. Go to media, go to study guide, and go to today's date. And you'll have all the information there that you need. John 13, beginning in verse 36. Now, as we look at this familiar moment We'll discover again that we can only accomplish things for God that matter through the power of God that works in our life. And we are back here now in the upper room. And as we track along in the Gospel of John, we see that Jesus is making preparations for his death. And so we've been spending time looking at this last supper with the disciples. And remember, Jesus stunned the room when he got down on his knees and he washed all of their feet. And he did that to model servanthood and to teach them how to love each other. And then Jesus exposed Judas as the betrayer. And now he's going to confront Peter. And what's amazing about this is that Peter has a good heart, but he lacks understanding about what he's really going to face out there. And he's going to try to do it himself. And it isn't going to work. 
Now, Jesus had said in verse 33, where I am going, you cannot come. So 36 is a response to that statement. But in between, you remember in 34, Jesus gave them strict instructions. This is the new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. And that's the central kind of revolving point in this particular passage is that command to love. That we'll see in a moment that Peter's going to walk right past that and try to do things on his own. So, in verse 33, where I'm going, you cannot come. Now in 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Uh Uh-oh. 38, Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Now, Peter's question here was an honest question. But he seemed to completely dismiss the new commandment. Jesus had just said, I want you to love each other. And so it's kind of like, Lord, where are you going? Instead of, yeah, you bet, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. We'll love each other because we want the world to know you. But Peter went right to this idea of relationship. And what Jesus knew is that in order for Peter, in order for the disciples to handle the onslaught that was about to come their way in just a few hours, they would need his power in their lives. And the same is true for us. We cannot navigate without the power of Christ in us. We will get burned out, we'll get discouraged, and we will ultimately go stale or give up. So today I want to look at some practical ways that we can submit to Christ in order for his power to be working within us. And the first is this. Christ's power is unleashed when relationship and obedience come together. Peter wanted the relationship. He wanted to be right there with Jesus. But Jesus had just commanded him, I want you to love one another. And he went right past that. But when these two come together, then there is amazing power. Now, it seems that Peter was more excited about what was to happen next than he was about just walking in obedience. And that's easy to do. We get caught in that same trap. We want to be where the action is. We want an exciting church. We want fog machines. We, you should have seen the fog machines during VBS. I said, let's bring him in on Sunday morning. No, I didn't say that. Maybe we should. Half of you are going like, if he ever does, I'm out of here so fast. But we, we want a church that, that gives us what we want. We want to have excitement. We want to be fed Instead of saying, well, wait a minute, what about obedience? Where do I fit in? How do I serve? And I think that that's something that plagues us as believers is we tend to go right to the relationship and we walk past obedience because we're afraid of legalism. But obedience has always been linked to a relationship with Christ that has power. Jesus told us that. John 14 is full of all kinds of verses to this, to this regard. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's pretty straightforward. 
Further in John 14, we see in John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them. And also in John 14, in verse 23, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. You can't have relationship without obedience. And so Peter was about to find that out. This isn't legalism, this is truth. If we want to fight the battles that are sitting out there for us, obedience is that ticket to intimacy with Christ that allows the power of Jesus to flow through us. And then when it does, into our lives. It can rescue marriages, it rescues friendships, it rescues us from the bondage of addiction and shame and self-loathing, it brings freedom, and it makes us a powerful witness for Jesus when it's His power that's flowing through us. If we can work on our methodology, I think it's really important to have good methodology. It's important to be trained, but if we don't have the power of Christ, we have nothing. And we can never, ever forget that. There's no doubt that Peter loved Jesus, but he wanted to be with him. And, and, he, and he walked right past the new commandment, and he was going to go out there, and he was going to deny him three times, even though he had made this bold promise. And so now Jesus goes about answering his question. Look again at the middle of verse 36. Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter wanted to be with Jesus right now. He didn't see the grand scheme of things. He didn't know what was about to happen. And so he was pushing Jesus. So not only are we to obey, but in order to allow this power to be unleashed in our lives, we have to understand that now may not be the time, but God has plans. He has plans for you. And I know that we all want God to work right now. We, we, we pray and we say, God, can you please take this off of my, my chest? I, I so deeply care about this. Or why isn't the circumstance changing? But God has a plan that is far beyond anything that we could see. You remember in John 21, when Jesus has that famous post-resurrection breakfast with his disciples, and Jesus pulls Peter aside and he says, hey, I want to talk to you. And he begins to talk to him about the future. And we begin to see in that conversation that there are big things ahead for Peter that Peter couldn't have known the night that he made that promise that I will lay my life down for you. And one of the things that Jesus addresses in that conversation is the fact that Peter one day would be martyred. And of course, tradition tells us that Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to experience the same death as his Lord and Savior. But that's just tradition. But we do know that he's martyred, and likely by crucifixion. 
And I want you to see what Jesus told him here about what was ahead for him. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. And here's the crucifixion part. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. You're going to die for me. Follow me. Now we say to ourselves, well, that seems like a crazy way to recruit disciples. But what Jesus is doing here is he's walking in truth. And he knew that Peter had a walk of faith in front of him. Now in between this moment and the crucifixion of Peter or the martyrdom of Peter, God did amazing things through Peter. Peter became this dynamic disciple that was preaching these powerful sermons through the Holy Spirit. On Peter's faith, Jesus said, I'm going to build the church. And so he went from this scared, arrogant fisherman to this amazing apostle. But waiting for him was death. But Peter grew so much in this time that in his own books that he wrote, he talked about an inheritance that is unfading, that is waiting for him and for us. And so he had learned to take his hope and move it from this life to eternity. And that happened because he walked in faith, because Jesus knew he needed to grow. And so what we see happening here is this idea that Peter wanted to do it now. He wanted to be with Jesus now, but he needed to learn to wait. And so I just encourage you this morning, don't rush. Just learn to pray, to wait on God, and to see what he has for you. To learn to abide in him rather than always working for him. To learn to be patient instead of always trying to push, push, push. That's what Peter needed to learn. This is a, a, a verse that I pray over pretty much every morning. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. You see, the power isn't in me. He's saying, let your heart take courage. Not in you, but wait for the Lord. That's where our courage comes from. That's where our power comes from. Peter couldn't be the sacrificial lamb. He couldn't go with Jesus where he was going. But he would follow him later in death, only to be glorified. So Peter wanted to go right now. You need to learn to wait and obey. That's how the power of Christ is unleashed. But Peter was well-intentioned. Naive, though. And because of his position as a disciple and his own self-assuredness, Satan was about to work him over. Look at 37 and 38 again. Peter pleads with the Lord, but Jesus tells him the truth about how powerless he really was within himself. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay my life down for you. And Jesus answered, will you lay your life down for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. And indeed, that's exactly what happened. You see, good intentions 
don't make us powerful or wise or successful in the eyes of God. All the good intentions in the world lead to nothing. What we need to do, what we need to learn to do is to submit and let the power of Christ work in us because we need to embrace our own vulnerability. Here, here's the truth. Good intentions without spiritual depth are the devil's playground. <laughs> you want to find a place where Satan can go to work? Then have a believer that's all fired up to go get everything done, but doesn't have the spiritual depth to know that it's going to be Christ that triggers that work within him or her. And then we see Satan can really destroy a person and a work. And Satan would have his way with Peter. We see this in all four Gospels, this conversation. And the answer that Jesus gives here in 38 is dripping with irony. Will you lay down your life for me? In essence, what he's saying here, Jesus is saying, who's dying for who? You're claiming you're going to die for me? I'm the one who's going to the cross. I'm the one who's going to fulfill the mission. To be fair, just three decades later, Peter did lay down his life. But he needed to learn how to walk in his own weakness through the power of Christ in him. Here's the great thing about being a Christian. It's good to be weak. And that goes against everything that we face in our everyday lives. When we go to work, we have to perform. We go to school, we have to perform. When we're with people we don't know many times, we feel like we've got to put our mask on and we have to perform. It's the antithesis of that for the Christian. It's good to be weak. And this is something we really need to come to grips with. Paul talked about this. He, he understood that that he needed to be weak. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I boast of my weaknesses. This goes against all of our sensibilities. It goes against our American sensibilities. This 4th of July, like I have, I think, every year, and I always forget I've watched it, so I tell everybody about it, and they go, like, you watched that for 10 years in a row. I watched The Story of Us on the History Channel. Great documentary. And I watched the part about the Revolutionary War. And I was struck by this idea that, well, no wonder that we have this kind of self-reliant spirit in America because we had to to even become a country. When we lived in Canada, I used to just joke with my Canadian friends because on July 1st is Canada Day, and they would do fireworks. So what did you do fireworks for? You guys just signed a piece of paper, and you became a nation. I said, in America, you see, here, here's why we're weird like this, is because we had to fight for freedom. And I, and, I, and I was astonished again by how George Washington had this this foreknowledge to go get these frontiersmen like Daniel Boone and change the rules of warfare and all this kind of thing. But here's the danger. The danger is, is if we take that American self-reliance and we pull it into our spiritual lives, then we've lost that ability to submit to the power of Christ. And this is definitely countercultural for us. But it's definitely the ticket to the power of Christ being worked out within us. 
when I pastored in Tucson, I used to have this guy that would stand next to me every Sunday. We'd go down to the front, and, and we'd wait for people to come forward to receive Christ or to pray. His name was Whitney. And every Sunday, he would look at me because he knew what I was thinking. He, he knew I was thinking, oh, man, this didn't land. No one's coming forward. And he would look at me, and he would say, Paul, you offered. That's all you can do. The rest is God's thing. And that's the way it is in our lives. Listen, you can't force anything to happen. You can't force your children to walk with Jesus. You can't force your friends to walk with Jesus. You can't force your circumstances to change. What you need to learn to do and what I need to learn to do is to fall at the feet of Christ and say, I am yours. That's how the power of Christ is in is, is, it works through us because then we admit our vulnerability and we embrace weakness and that's a good thing because Peter was all, all bent on going out there and changing the world. Don't worry, I got this. He didn't have it. He got destroyed in a few hours. And he walked right past the main part of the passage which is just, I want, hey, stop all that. I just want you to love each other. And so we need to have obedience. We need to wait on God. We need to know that we are weak. And then the good news is, is that miracles do happen. The power of Christ does come into play. And that's the point I want to make to really encourage you this morning, is the power of Christ makes God's promises a reality. So this amazing things can happen. Now, I want to make it really clear that I'm not saying that your life is going to go the way you want if you do these things, because it probably won't. Probably won't. Those of you who have been walking with Christ a long time know what it's like. You can live in ignorance, and you don't notice any of the spiritual things going around you, and your conscience has kind of been seared off, and all of a sudden you get to know Jesus, and all of the spiritual realm pops to life, and all of a sudden you're grappling with new things. But the promise is that the power of Christ will always be there for us. So I wanted to just take a moment and go over a couple of things that can help us discern how to know when God is calling us forward or when it's our own vain imagination so we aren't like Peter and go rushing off and get destroyed. And the first thing that I would suggest that would be very helpful is to simply seek the heart of God. Not your own heart. The heart of God. Not the heart of culture or a teacher. The heart of God. And how do we do that? You know how to do it. It's through spiritual disciplines like prayer. We pray with some teeth to it. We pray like we're going into battle. We pray like we mean it. We, we, we go to war for our family, for our church. We go to war for our own survival. And we pray and we trust that God is listening and that He cares and that we are being molded into disciples of Jesus through that prayer. And so prayer helps us to align with the will of God. And then we, we read our Bibles faithfully. And we do it with intention. And we do it so that it will seep into our heart and soul. I try to make it a point to, to listen to at least one 
podcasts per day, largely on theology. And it's surprising. I know most of it, but it's good to have a reminder, and that truth just seeps into my soul. And on days of trial, it's there. It's right there. I know it. Sitting under proper teaching with good doctrine, living life out in community. Listen, if you're out there by yourself, what was Peter's problem? He was isolated. He, he all of a sudden found himself in a courtyard full of people that hated him. He'd gone from this really nice dinner with friends at the upper room club. He didn't stay for the dance after, but he went out and what happened? He got destroyed. And so you've got to be in community to help each other listen for the power of the Spirit in your lives. You don't do this by running off and looking for some crazy thing. And here's the worst thing you can do is follow your own heart. Please don't follow your heart. If you hear that in a movie or something, cast it off. Because here's what the Bible says about your heart. You want to follow it? Fine. The heart is deceitful. Above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? You want to follow your heart? Where is it going to lead? It's going to lead to spiritual sickness. And so seek the mind of God. Secondly, I want you to learn in order to have the power of Christ work through you and to be wise in how to do that, to learn how to measure your steps. Peter was going a million miles an hour all of the time. He was always the first to speak. And he just babbled sometimes and said the stupidest things. But we like him because he had that rawness to him. But in this case, it really cost him. He went out and he wept bitter. And I wish he would have just measured his steps. You don't have to hurry through your Christian life. We do need to have a sense of urgency because Jesus is coming back. People only live a certain amount of time and people need Jesus or they will be under the condemnation of sin. Hell is real. Heaven is real. But we can't force that to happen. So take your time and get to know Jesus before you become a world changer in your own mind. And this is a passage that you all know, but I keep coming back to it over and over again in my own life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight, not you. You'll make your paths crooked. He'll make them straight. So I really want you to seek the heart of God to measure your steps. And then thirdly, I would say this. Fully embrace your weakness. And find joy and worship that you're weak. Because that means you don't have to do it. Listen, when I'm sitting down here every Sunday before I preach, I, I'm just praying a prayer that amounts to this. Help. Because I know that I can't trigger anything spiritually without the Holy Spirit without the power of Christ driving that forward. I was on my way to a meeting this week that was really a hard meeting, and all the way there I just prayed help. And I got out of my car, and I found myself in these circumstances before where I've had to walk to a hard meeting or to tell somebody some hard news or even my own family, and I've just said help, 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 help. 
And guess what? God always helps. I got nothing, to be very honest. But in Christ, I've got everything. I have the power of the universe at my disposal if I'm willing to submit to that. So, worship and glory in your weakness. Because we see Peter running out there, making this bold promise, and in just a few hours, all of the circumstances changed, and he failed. But for us, we can learn what it means to submit to Jesus and to understand that we can have huge influence for the gospel, but only through the power of Christ. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.